0: Hello, Recovery Fam. Welcome back to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, Drew.
1: I'm not the only chaotic person in the room today.
0: I'm Palmer. That's right. Today is Season 4 episode 49 and we're all about the chaos today today's episode is promptly titled unsalvageable from chaos to hope we love hearing testimonies of hope and that's what we have for you today
1: the verse for today's episode is hosea 4 6 that is amber's testimony verse basically so without further ado and so we can get to amber's chaotic hopeful story roll that intro
2: The Unashamed Recovery
1: Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew starts now.
0: Here at Unashamed Recovery, we believe that there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not. Be okay. It is our mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction and recovery by sharing real stories of real addiction from real people in real recovery
3: and real
0: sobriety. That's right. Today we are joined by somebody who is no stranger to the realm of recovery, no stranger to the to the addiction scene. Our guest today is also no stranger to overcoming that pit. Today we are joined by Amber. Thomason of Strong Towers Recovery in philadelphia mississippi correct
4: that's right I'm yes. church at the art
0: amber is also a ems dispatcher you know not everybody can be a 911 dispatcher I, I understand that but hey amen <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's it nice a it's not a
4: strong ha- intelligent human being
0: that's right yes, and when those no aren't available they hire josh yes that's they hire saying, me because josh. there's no way that i could do ems <laughs> 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 we are we're so glad to have amber join us today amber's going to be sharing her story with us and and all of our our listeners out there in recovery land so amber as tradition on unashamed recovery podcast we like for you to uh to take us back to chapter one of your story what would chapter one be called for your story chapter one
4: <laughs> that's a good title it's, um... <laughs> chapter one right that's what i would call it uh let's see chapter one I'd yes probably put on a the beginning of chaos
1: <laughs> that's my life story
0: you're still in chapter I one, am ain't you? <laughs> the <beginning of>
4: chaos. <laughs> if that's the yeah, if that's the title of chapter one, still in chapter
0: one. So the chaos that you're talking about in chapter one—that seems like things were not going good in chapter one. So take us into chapter one. What, what does chapter one look like? So chapter
4: you? one would start with me with probably my birth, just right from the beginning. I was born into addiction. I was uh, then raised in addiction. And at 18 months old, I was put in foster care, where I was still raised in addiction, uh, and it was just—it's, you know, it started from the very beginning. Which is-
0: so, Amber, so with you being born into addiction like that, how did that start you off in life? Like that had to have been a a, a tough start to to the race of life. Like that's that's a tough... That's like starting a marathon and then immediately having everything stacked against
2: you. Yeah,
4: so there's two different ways to look at that now. I, I can see one. Now I have a comparison of how horrible it can be. At, and you know, how it should be. Whereas before I didn't, before, you know, the Bible says Hosea 4, 6, uh, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It says in Second Corinthians 2, 11, they were not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes, both talking about how ignorance causes destruction. Yep. And so, you know, I was living because I was born into that, that Um, to people that were ignorant ignorance not a bad word it just means you don't know you know not bashing anyone but I was born into that ignorance and so that's how they lived well then I grew in that right and so I didn't know anything but that yeah so I continued living that life of destruction and it just that that's what I knew and until I came to truth which John 8, 31 through 32 says the truth will set you free. And that's exactly what it did. Once I came out of that ignorance and came to know truth, I was able to come out of that chaos. Um,
0: well, I, w- I want to stop you right there. And you are talking about how you were born into addiction. Just to give everybody out there a, a, a good, uh, paint a good picture for everybody. What kind of addiction were you born into? Was this just a so run the mill alcoholism? Or was this something more uh, deeper than that?
4: So... In the paperwork, so I've, I've never actually spoke to them, um, but in the paperwork it says that they were methamphetamine addicts. I actually became an IV user when I was 18, and I was in a fentanyl and heroin addiction for 15 years. I
1: am. Can we stop right there and just say, you just used the words in the paperwork. You want to explain that?
4: Yeah, so at 18 <laughs> I was able to get all my paperwork to find out, like, how everything went um, prior to being put into foster care, all my old medical records, you know, because you can't access that stuff until you're 18 from the state. So that's what I was asking.
1: I just <laughs> wanted to make sure that I was on the same page. Of like, she said paperwork. So clearly, she she was born into addiction, but she yeah is not you know like handed over to her addiction parents. Right. Yeah. No, it's put actually, into the system or right. So you went straight from the hospital into the system?
4: No, I went home with them. Um, I was born in Dallas, and they had apparently lived in Burnett, Texas. And they took me back home with them, and there was several CPS cases. I was finally taken at 18 months old Mm -hmm. and put into foster care. And then I moved to my last home at six years old, where I was then raised in addiction. And that was, um, it was more of like a multifaceted uh, drug use there so
0: yeah so you basically went from one to another correct man okay man.
4: so chapter one so, <laughs> so chaos
1: okay. i like chapter one chapter one is very chaotic it's, yes. My, yes. it's my kind of my kind of story <laughs> um you know uh, here He's we are we're so born in we're born into addiction yep um and at 18 months we're taken away and then what what happens we're thank you jesus we're thrown right, right back into another addiction yeah. all right i like it <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had a plan for you from the get go. Amen. That you were going to use the trials and tribulations from day one,
0: no, yeah. uh, to tell His story. Yeah. Amen. I like it. And let's just call it what it is. It's a miracle that you're sitting here today telling your story for. You said it was 15 years of IV use?
4: Yes. Yes. To be a able to sit s- here and and,
0: and to, to be able to tell this story, that there is just. To be able
3: to have a cognitive train of thought, period. Yes. After, after that Because, I mean, I, I was an IV user for three years, and you're talking about the brain damage that I had to come back from just after three years. Of he, that. So, he's still
1: coming back from it. I'm right. sorry. What What is cock. Cog- cognitive, cognitive? Uh, the ability
4: to think reasoning
1: i have that problem
2: cognitive
1: just means thinking <laughs> I'm just <kidding>. sorry <laughs> i use 20 words why i
3: use it too so, <laughs> we like
4: 20 words so <laughs> amber let me ask this
1: uh I, I think you said uh did you say at six or your sixth home
4: uh, at six years old okay
1: so at six you end up at your last home
2: mm-hmm.
1: is this now the people th- do these people adopt you did, are you just in the system at this one home for the for the rest of your childhood, or
4: right? So t- I was just I was there for the rest of my childhood till I was seventeen. I uh, left my se- senior year of high school and ended up moving in with uh, the girl that had left before me. Okay,
1: so you never were adopted. No. You kind of got left in the system until you were old enough to just leave and, and just be an adult.
4: Yes, man,
1: I hate it's- that. That, that really breaks my heart because uh, there are so many people out there and I don't look, I know I'm going to get off on the topic real quick and I'll probably delete all this, but I just want to say that it breaks my heart because there's so many people out there that want children, that can't have children. And I feel like sometimes here in the United States, we make it very hard yeah. to Absolutely. get children now. I agree that we should make it hard to get a child. You can't, you shouldn't just be able to go pick up like a puppy. It shouldn't be like a Walmart. Right. Trip, you shouldn't you just know? walk in and go, I want that one. It just, Amber it breaks my heart for you that, um, you never found that particular family. I'm assuming we're going to get to a point in this conversation where we find out you do have a family. Uh, like a lot of us, our family is, uh, is recovery based. Right. So I'm sorry. No. Um, chapter one, chaotic, uh, are we moving to chapter two like is is, did, cha- is chapter one just like uh i didn't make it out
0: i was about to say as the way <laughs> chapter one was titled i'm just assuming that there's way more to chapter one i'm, I'm just assuming like I, I i could be wrong
1: i'm telling you cha- chapter one to me sounds like i didn't make it out that was like, just a synopsis <laughs> no, the, oh, right. pre- the preface <laughs> Right. The, you the know what? Book. I only ever read the cliff notes, <laughs> so I just assumed.
4: All right. Yeah, this is just scratching the surface. You can't oh,
3: just but- read the back of the cover. Like, you got to read the pages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some people do that with the Bible, I think. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I read the end. I know how it
1: ends. That's all that matters. Amen. We won.
0: So, back with your story. So, is there more in chapter one, or have, or have we now gotten to where we're moving on with our story?
4: I would move on. I mean, it's pretty – I know people went through a lot worse and some people didn't go through as bad. I mean, but it is – it's a – if you've been in addiction and, you know, maybe you were an adult when you were in addiction and you saw another adult with kids, like, you know what those kids went through. I mean, if you've been in addiction for any significant period of time, then you can, you know, imagine there was abuse. There was all these horrible things, you know. But what I want to point out is that there was years and years and years of that. And like you've all stated, I'm sitting here today, completely sound mind, able body, and uh, it is miracles upon miracles. You know, it just goes to show that like he kept his angels encamped around me the whole time. Like I'll look back at, you know, all the kids that I was raised with and how there were so many things that I was just shielded from. You know, not that he has respect to our persons, because there was things that they were shielded from that I wasn't. But yeah, there's of course there's more to it if you went into all the little details. Yeah, but.
0: most definitely. So let's go ahead and let's frame up. We're moving out of chapter one. Where does your story take the turn where you actually get to the point where you're gonna try whatever it was that you tried first what led
1: to that moment before we get to that josh my my first question is um at this point do you know that the people that you've been living with have an addiction
4: oh absolutely
1: okay so what is their addiction let's start there
4: well the things that we saw every day were um the lady she had several different mental health issues going on and i know that that was kind of fed into it so we there was a lot of alcohol Um, that was a guarantee every morning alcohol and marijuana all the time but it was usually on the weekends that then it was pills cocaine um man. just stuff that we kind of got introduced to pretty early um and so we you know we had known it, it was known almost the whole time i was there
0: but, and so she, that makes sense that man, she
1: she got to see it you know? and so absolutely you know,
0: and i think back on my own childhood i was sheltered man like we know, i mean super sheltered like my parents didn't smoke a cigarette they didn't there was no alcohol in the house they didn't cuss now they gossip they were some I mean, there, you know, there, there were some gossipers.
1: don't worry but uh, my parents and Drew's parents <clears throat> did enough for both of your parents but
3: but you know <laughs> I, I, mine, mine drinking they were they were spitfire mean so I mean right. that, that was that was one of the, the things I picked up that I still have to fight today is the, the meanness mm-hmm. you know uh, of course alcohol was a big big problem which led to You know, plethora of other drugs in my lifetime, but that meanness, man, that that left some scars. So,
0: well, you know, starting this podcast and hearing people's stories, it makes me so grateful for for my parents because, man my child i thought i had a bad childhood man my childhood was nothing compared to some of the people who've come in here and sat down and and shared these stories man it's it just it it reminds me of just how truly blessed i was in in my own life so man it's just to to,
1: look how screwed up you i know
0: right (laughs) and that that, that was my own doing so i'm saying my own
1: doing you can come from any i'm not i'm being funny but i'm not you can come from any walk of life yeah. and still decide. You know what? I think I'll just screw this up as yep. much
2: as I can.
0: Most
1: definitely.
4: Sure. Well, just like all the great behavioralists out there, you know, that we had um, Skinner and Pavlov. You know, they you know it was um, environment versus hereditary, yeah. and so <laughs> I, some people say like, "Well, you're you were only like that because you were born into it." And there's people where it wasn't environmental at all, and they still. Yes. So it's. I think man. that you know the devil just uses different things on different people and if it works it works you know
0: most definitely my goodness you he'll use it till it
4: doesn't work anymore
0: yes man. and it always
3: looks like the right thing that's mm-hmm. the crazy part right is it always looks like you're about to do the right thing until you figure it out like you're halfway into it at that point and you're like oh this is completely wrong well you, you know, know you're trying to do the backtrack you
0: know right well you that's. The, the devil never comes to us in a, in a red horns and a pitchfork. You know, right. right? He Speak always, for yourself. <laughs> he always comes to <laughs> us, you know, she disguised as desire. Or what we're what we're most wanting out of life or, you know, something like that. It's never we never look we never go to evil because it's evil. Right. It's always dressed up sure. as something. Oh, uh, and I th- I think that's an important part.
4: Uh, in my early 20s I, I just started drinking and then I became a IV user at 18
1: and how does that start okay y'all are gonna have to just like forgive me yeah y'all gotta forgive me like I that is the part that I am sheltered from like I don't I don't know well
4: I had what, actually returned that- back to the home I was raised in to go visit a um you know obviously not biological but I called him my little brother he was the only little boy there, you know, and he, we had actually been in the same home together since I was three. He was 18 months old, came into that home. I was in at three and, um, he had been severely abused. He was nonverbal until he was three or four, just cause he wouldn't talk to adults or anything. So I just had taken him under my wing. And then, so when we got moved to the other, you know, he was just for as long as I could remember, he was my little brother. Well, he hadn't left yet. And so I remember I was 18. I went back to go see him Well, he had already started using and was an IV user and um, he was like, you should try Coke like this. And I was like, okay, that, that was it. After that, I didn't do drugs any other way. Uh, It didn't matter what it was. I found a way to, yeah, there's, I used to tell people all the time, whatever you say, like, even if you're in addiction, because I've met people that are really far in addiction and maybe they're, they're also heroin addicts or whatever, but they're not shooting it. And, um, uh, they just they start asking questions and i would just tell them look what what do you think that you would never do um whether it's well i would never be one that sold my kid for whatever you say you will never do the needle will make you do that yep. so just don't like
3: absolutely
4: whatever you think you would never do this will make you do that it's horrible
0: man so you you, you went back home You met up with your your younger brother who introduced you to this. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine from there things just kind of, I want to say escalated, but it's really not escalation. It's really de-escalated. I I imagine things de-escalated very quickly.
4: Yeah. So, you know, I um, tried to go back to school. Uh, You know, that wouldn't work out. I would try getting a job. That would Whatever I tried to do, I would fail at. Um, I tried getting in a relationship. I ended up getting pregnant. That failed. And so, I, you know, the relationship failed. I still ended up having my child. She'll be 17 next week, actually. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm the only one on her birth certificate. So it was just me and her for a while till I was 25. And then I met my ex-husband. And I thought that, you know, this, was, this is what I needed. I just needed to... Um, get a family, and if I could put the family together, I could go back to school and I could live this normal life that you see on the movies because that's the only place I'd really ever seen. um yeah,
2: normal family You know the life. image
4: of what a family is supposed to be like, and you know he um, he, he was a Christian. His parents were Christian and uh, really wonderful people, and I, uh, you know, they knew when I would relapse and and everything. And uh, that's the only fam- family that my daughter has ever known. Um, so she we got married you know that is um is and was her dad his parents were her grandparents and so you know i was like this is it like i've got you know and then i relapsed i ended up getting sick and um, had a few surgeries and one of the first things they gave me was fentanyl so that was it you know i was like i quit taking you know they quit prescribing it because i was getting better but then i just went back to using it on my own my ex-father-in-law was the constable for williamson county which is like rankin county of texas it's right outside of austin like ranking outside of Heinz you know it's just it's um it's it's very similar territory and he's the constable for it well I had pawned his service pistol um that he used and um he knew that I had relapsed and he had known about that but it wasn't until I'd relapsed again and again and again he's like I don't know what else to do and he's like I'm gonna press charges you're gonna go to jail go get some help he i go to jail he calls the lawyer judge everything and they're all offering me rehab and i'm like i am not a drug addict though not a drug addict
3: and i was like i just go to meetings i'm not going to meetings like
4: this is nepotism at its finest
1: (laughs) i'm not a drug addict i just like the way it tastes i could
4: stop if i wanted to and um, it was just horrible. Gotta
3: love that lie you tell yourself on that one. <laughs> well, I mean,
4: like, denial keeps us y- sick. Y- I mean, if we, as long as we hold on to our denial, we can keep using. Yep. Um, so I was like, put no. that on a T-shirt, <laughs> right? So um, I
0: still yeah. like. Of all the things, like she could have pawned, you pawned. <laughs> <laughs> the, I I like,
2: probably
3: that you could have pawned, like that got me too. Else. I was just like, are you
0: serious? <laughs> <laughs> like. I was like, Mine. here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want to know, because this will make it, make or break it. So was that the first thing that you tried to pawn or was that just no. the in? Okay. No,
4: that was probably was like the last say. thing.
0: It was and it literally wasn't his the last current. thing she pawned. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. I bet it was, <laughs> it was the last thing. He was like,
1: uh, I've been missing some stuff. Where's my guy?
3: <laughs> I, <bet he> <laughs> I bet he was just like standing in the door and it back. Did. He didn't. He's sitting at the
4: kitchen table saying, "He's like Amber," and I'm like, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> "Did you take my?" I, I don't know. I didn't take it. I haven't seen it I- <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> are You talking about?
4: <laughs> well, the pawn shop had called him because it was. They were like, "This." They recognized his name, you know, and they were like, "We." have a gun from your daughter daughter daughter-in-law and he's like i'll be there in a minute (laughs) he goes and he gets it and he's waiting at the kitchen table when i come home
0: it would have been so funny if that was the first one she started with like oh yeah and the the whole process of pony. that was where she started was i was like oh my
4: you know the grim side of it though is that i did consider the consequences but considering the addiction that i had to. Every morning that I would wake up and go use, I was hoping it was my last day. And I would tell myself, there's no way am I going to make it to jail. I'm going to, like, and so on my way to go pawn it, I was thinking, today's the day I'll die anyways. Why does it matter? You know, I'll I'll make a point to. And, and, you know, and I would. I would overdose. I'd go to the hospital, NARCAM numerous numerous times. And it, you know, just, God just kept bringing me back for something greater. But my thought process was not, oh, I'm not going to get in trouble. It was. I'm not going to make it to see the to right. see a jail or right. any type that of
3: That was, correction. I mean, it was an end all. Yeah.
1: Like every day was an end all. Yeah. By the time, yeah. by the time he notices it's gone, I'll be gone. Right. They won't
4: worry about yeah, me. Yeah. I them. mean, that's honestly the truth.
0: So, And the, the power of our thinking when yeah. we're in addiction, but mm-hmm. also the power of denial that denial has over us to keep us into that situation, man. It's,
1: Being a part of this podcast, I have never been so happy to only have a sex and porn addiction just saying like i mean to to you know have to get sex or get porn i didn't have to pawn n- nothing I, I, right I, I could hide it if i wanted to i didn't have you know i wasn't married at the time so it didn't matter but you know i didn't i didn't have to hide it but i mean that's the honest <clears throat> to God truth from from my perspective to have my addiction oh of man. being angry, angry and uh, you know I, i'm angry and horny i mean i right. stole it was all exactly. kind of stuff like
3: Pawning was, like, the least of things. Mm-hmm. Like, I was stealing credit cards from my parents. Like, it was nuts.
1: But I will say, like, you know, like, may- maybe and Amber- Like, I
3: pawned the title to my dad's car one time. Like, <laughs>
1: like <laughs> literally, you, legit. How much money do you get j- just for the title? Yeah,
3: uh, so that was $4,500. And I had a field day. Oh. Yeah. We have the same name, so it was easy. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so that was pretty easy. But um, what I'm saying is, like, even, like, as... I call it small because compared to a story like Amber's and a story that we've heard over and over and over of what I call real addiction, because it's just how I feel. Like I've always felt when I go speak and sing at these recovery um, groups, I don't feel like my testimony is that big because I didn't have to overcome the things like Amber has over overcame. So what I'm trying to say is like, even i'm using air quotes how small my addiction feels to me like i still have the days where i'm like okay this is this is the last day it doesn't matter
2: right Right. you know
1: what i mean so like your addiction no matter what it is no matter how big or how small it it still can feel like it can make you feel like i don't want to live
2: right yep absolutely So,
1: so but i hate that you had to go through all of that and had to hit that far of a rock bottom to get to where you are now, because so it, what you're worse. doing now <laughs> is so much greater. Amen. Than what so many of us, or some so so many of us, even Christians are doing, you know. Yeah. Um,
0: so <clears throat> I think this is a great place for it's us to just stop pay and bills. pay some bills. That's awesome. All so, right, so we're going to
1: take a break real quick, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to finish hearing Amber's story of holy god how can it get worse but it does (laughs) from what i understand it gets better oh it it gets it gets better it's always darkest before the dawn it's gonna
4: get worse it's gonna get worse and then it's gonna get a lot better
2: we'll be right back
1: (laughs) unashamed recovery podcast is heard around the world in over 42 countries including over 780 cities in all 50 states here in the united states People around the world are hearing the message of the hope of recovery from addiction, and that's because of listeners like you who donate, but also because of our sponsors. Local sponsors like Dee's Automotive in Meridian, Mississippi, serving the East Central Mississippi and West Alabama areas for over 42 years. Dee's is a name you can trust when it comes to your vehicle for all your complete car care needs and service and towing and car locks that's d's automotive go by and see miss Jeannie, mike and the boys at 5024 poplar springs drive that's 5024 poplar springs drive in meridian or give them a call at 601-482-1800 that's 601-482-1800 and tell them that josh and drew sent you The Unashamed Recovery Podcast is also sponsored by End It For Good. End It For Good is a Mississippi-based nonprofit that works on advocacy and education around drug policy in Mississippi. End It For Good works to help communities understand how health-centered approaches to addiction can help local communities become safer and keep more families thriving. If you're interested in learning more about harm reduction, you can check out End It For Good on all social media or on their website at enditforgood.com. Dot com. That's endedforgood.com. Unashamed Recovery is also sponsored internationally by Sober Life Love, a sober dating site made for the sober community. Are you tired of the dating scene revolving around alcohol and drugs? Do you want to find someone who shares your commitment to a sober lifestyle? Look no further than sober Life. Dot love the sober life love platform is specifically designed for individuals who are sober and seeking a partner who shares in their same values whether you're in recovery prefer not to drink or simply choose to live a sober lifestyle we provide a safe and supportive community for you to connect with like-minded individuals with our advanced matching algorithms you can find compatible partners who understand your journey and respect your choices from sober activities to meaningful conversations our dating services offer offers a variety of ways to connect and build relationships. Soberlife.love is the new way to connect with people who understand and support your journey. Join today for free at www.soberlife.love. That's www.soberlife.love. Now back to your normally scheduled programming right here on Unashamed Recovery Podcast. And we're back and we're going to continue down this chaotic road of, uh, Amber's story—it's
0: just getting good. If and, you thought uh, it was chaotic enough with her pawning off a constable's service weapon, just wait. There is more. We got more. <laughs> it's like Billy, May- <laughs> Billy Mays, hey. Just wait. There's more. Yep. She, she she's done. Promise that uh, it continues on further downhill from there. So uh.
1: <laughs> as we roll downhill. Yeah. So Amber, uh, all right. So we've we've uh, we pawn the gun. Uh, Dad-in-law said, okay, I've had enough of these shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I literally can't leave my gun around. (laughs) So, uh, has you arrested? Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody, including the judge and lawyers, are all talking about, uh, well, we think she should just do rehab. Mm -hmm. And you've looked them all in the eye and said...
2: Right. that's exactly I can quit right
1: whenever i want to because of course you can
2: Absolutely. so
1: pick us up we we just okay. told everybody i'm not an addict and uh i
0: don't need rehab and, and you, right so the, the d- denial is strong
4: yes so the <laughs> judge river. was bringing me back in i was in county for nine months uh, the judge was bringing me back in once a month asking me if i would go to treatment and i would tell her no, I'm not going to tell him he was right. You're only offering this. This is nepotism. This is just because he knows the right people. He wants, he wants me to be an addict. (laughs) And, um, so I said, no. So the last time she said, if you don't go, she's like, I'm done. I will send you to prison. I said, fine and All right. she I'm sent sorry, me to said, prison what? the I said, That's stubbornness fine. is
3: thick with this one
4: <laughs> I said if I have to go to prison because I'm not an addict then so be it so <laughs> I, I went, so I went to prison
1: but at this point like you've been in, in county jail for nine months mm-hmm. I mean like are I was you, sentenced to
4: 18 months are
1: you doing
3: so you drugs did, uh, in jail
4: line. I did do drugs a couple times in jail yes
1: okay so see, there you go people the uh
4: but not because I was an addict. Uh, the, joy, the, <laughs> the
3: It's just because it was there. The, I system, needed, so I, the board needed something to do, right? The system's
1: definitely working. We're doing drugs in the system. All right, great. So we're not an addict, but...
0: but um, I, I like that though. I did those drugs, but not because I'm an addict. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt.
4: All the cool kids were doing it. All the um, cool kids. <laughs> and
1: those kids are still there, kids. Right. Were they wearing orange jumpsuits as well? <laughs> yes. 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 Yellow. Yeah. Yellow.
2: That's yes. so, This is
0: yellow. Texas.
4: And then TDC whites.
0: So, so did you go do nine more months in prison?
4: I did. Well, I did six more months in prison. I got 20% off for doing an A&D program.
3: But you are not addict. What's an A and D program? Alcohol and drugs. drugs.
1: Yeah, (laughs) my bad. So
3: they offer that up for like good behavior. Yeah, I got twenty
4: percent off my time
3: for it.
1: Twenty percent off your time. Mm -hmm.
3: You get ten percent in the state of Mississippi.
1: That's because we know you're lying. Right. (laughs) Texas is like, "Mm, you'll be back. It's fine.
4: Right. Um, So I, I leave prison. I get a divorce. I, go oh, I got sober married living. Through, through yes. This
1: this this time. So I, okay. so he
0: stayed with you during prison, and then divorced after you got out. And how yes. did he feel about?
1: I mean, was this?
4: Well, uh, our last year of marriage before I went to prison, I had introduced him to oh. fentanyl. Uh,
1: so
3: hold on. So so he sta- He stuck around through you being stubborn as all get out with the whole like the nine months of going back before the
1: judge
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she got out hmm. and he took one look at her and went nah I'm no gone.
4: he wanted to reconcile the marriage and um i told him no oh um
1: is that because he was using
4: you know I, I we had we we really had just become friends after the first year of marriage it you know it wasn't i think i like the idea of being married and having a family, but I wasn't in love with him. Mm. And so being separated after 18 months, you know, not using, not being around him. I was like, I really don't like this guy, you know, um, even really as a friend or person anymore, I just, you know, was still very selfish. And I said, no, well, uh, about a year, well, about nine months later, I was working in a rehab <laughs> and, <laughs> this is a true story guys in
1: case you're playing along she's not an addict right doesn't need rehab and now she's working
4: that's right i'm working in a rehab
1: after getting good time
2: for yes
4: but i (laughs) am still telling you i'm not an addict um (laughs) well you're not
0: anymore denial is strong (laughs) yes strong at this one man when when they wrote the the denial lesson to celebrate recovery like <laughs> they should have taken it. they should have put the picture right here and just
3: posted it up there this yeah. is denial <laughs> like let me tell you about Amber <laughs> real quick
4: <laughs> well I met um a guy working in rehab and um and meanwhile I'm going through the divorce process he has gone ahead and filed and sued me for divorce and um I'm just letting it happen well I relapse the guy that I started dating in the rehab he relapsed to and at this point my daughter is still with him and his parents but once he was like um you know going to AA meetings and everything I was like I could go to AA meetings you know and so then I was like okay if he's an addict then I'm probably an addict too and at this point I was like okay I'm an addict I'm gonna be an addict with you
1: <laughs> so it was a fashion trend at and since one. we're
4: both addicts we should go use <laughs> like <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. What did you just say? <laughs> Since we're both addicts, we should just go use. Yes. Put that on.
2: Yeah, That's actually, like, put exactly that on. Exactly what happened.
3: <laughs> was um.
1: that verbatim? Word for word? Um.
4: Probably in my head. I'm dead. But out loud, (laughs) we just kind of like, should we do this? Absolutely.
1: Do you like drugs? I like drugs. I like you. You like me? Let's go.
4: Do you want to go practice karate in the garage? (laughs) Yep. Do we just become best friends? Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Makes (laughs) so much room for activity. (laughs) Right.
3: But now we're at don't touch my drum set. (laughs) All
4: right. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on.
0: Man, like, you know, and what's... Yeah, I I can't speak for everybody. What's so funny for me in this is the absurdity of it, and it's the absurdity that goes on in our mind that we're like, "Yes, like that is a good idea," (laughs) right? And (laughs) they're
3: all it's all terrible. Yes, but you're like, while you're in it though, that you this is magnificent. You had this grandiose idea, and it's just like, well,
4: and when it hit me, I was an addict. I was like, you know what? I was raised in addiction. Now the love of my life that I've met in rehab. Hello, we're all addicts. I'm meant to be an addict. This is my calling in life. And then I just owned being an addict, and then it got even worse, y'all. No, oh like, <laughs>
2: <gosh. laughs>
4: Once I owned it, I was like, okay, for, I can do this. I for can those do this.
2: That's what we're doing.
4: Living it up.
1: For those of y'all playing the home game, she has admitted to being an addict, and she loves it. <laughs>
4: Yes. At this point, I was like, this is this is what I was born
0: for.
1: <laughs> you know, um, I've said I, I was born for a lot of things, but being an addict was
0: not one of them. You know, over, we're going on five years of Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Well, that's hard to believe. But in those five years, we have repeatedly talked about on your story. Yep. So that you can recover where you're unashamed about it. And then you can go and do a correct 12th step and help somebody else. Right. Guys. This is not what we mean by <laughs> own your story. She took it back. like,
2: let's go use
0: That is not what we're talking about. Like, She's
3: on the opposite <laughs> end, but she finally <laughs> yeah. owned it. So yeah. I, it, the deniability the, the was out of the way. Plausible deniability right. was out of the way. Ugh. So it was all there.
0: And I can only imagine that it just, we're continuing downhill.
2: Mm.
3: <laughs> mm. That's, yep.
4: <laughs> that would be a that would uh, be a good I'd assessment. Option. Yeah. So. <laughs> situation.
1: Okay. Rolling, rolling, rolling. So, I'm still
4: in Austin at this point. Now, he and I are, you know, owning being <coughs> IV heroin addicts, and we are just full speed ahead at this. Um, we end up losing, you know, everything. My ex in laws at this point have cut off communication with my daughter. And then, um, We go to a 28 day program. We both get clean. We both go to a sober house for about three weeks before we get our own little apartment and I get pregnant. Um, And he's like, look, you don't have any family here. I've got family back in Mississippi. Let's go to Mississippi. And I was like, okay. Um, So I come to Mississippi with him. Our son will be three this month. And um, as soon as we got to Mississippi, we were clean for about a week. And he shows back up at the house, and he's, I said, "Where were you?" He's like, "Turns out my drug dealer from five years ago is in the same house, <laughs> and I was like, "Right on <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> this Man. Is tree, let's y'all. let's go fix the problem uh, Never mind, i'm good let's I know the guy <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy who knows
0: a guy, yeah, so I want to ask your in laws that you that you left in Texas." Was there any uh, was there anything in between y'all? Did they have resentment towards you for their son going into addiction or you moving to Mississippi and taking the grandkid? Off? Well,
4: I didn't take Lacey with me. Gotcha. I didn't bring Lacey with me. Okay. Um, they had told they had cut off communication between my daughter and I by simply asking me to respect the boundaries that if I wasn't clean I didn't need to talk to her. And I said, Well, okay, gotcha. I guess I'm not talking to her then. Gotcha. And I got pregnant and came to Mississippi. I, after the 28-day program, I reached out to them and I said, hey, I'm clean. I just left a 28-day program. And they said, that's wonderful. They let me have a phone call with Lacey. Let me go pick her up. I went to go pick her up. And on the way, I stopped and got high. And we were in the truck for about five minutes. And I fell asleep at the red light. And she called her grandpa. and um. Man. It was yeah yeah I mean it was just it was horrible but a part of that is like I keep going back to Hosea four six my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge like this is what I knew like right. I didn't understand why everyone had such a problem with it like because this, this is was, life this is
3: what you've known from yeah it's life now. I don't know why wow. everyone's
4: getting so upset like you know there's just a, a stigma with addiction and people just like when it's just a real part of life you know and I just thought that that's what I had to own. And um, so, yeah, it was horrible.
0: And
3: and so then when you took ownership of being an addict, when you finally said, hey, I'm an addict, Mm -hmm. you were
0: like, okay, now this is the cure-all.
3: Yeah,
4: now I'm I'm an addict, so I'm definitely going to die a drug addict, so let's go make that happen. Right. And
0: and it's true that what they say is you make yourself the hero and everybody else is the villain in your own story. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, And, you know, why is everybody against me? Sure. You know, I'm just i'm out here being who i was supposed to be right you know and man it's, it's just and you get deception in that and si- ignorance and you get fun. caught in that cycle and mm-hmm. it's super easy to stay in that cycle of thinking that what was that the, the victim, mentality, the victim that, mentality that we it's yep. so easy what for us to me get caught the world into. did it all okay well you're in mississippi
4: mississippi a relapse while i'm pregnant we um, found a
0: drug dealer that lived in the same house five years ago,
4: right? Um, and so we're we're both actively using. I uh, give birth, and um, you know CPS gets involved. Well, he and I get our stuff together, and we the CPS case is closed, and everything's going good for about about nine months. And he's going to the methadone clinic. Well, I relapse and um, start you know, messing up, losing my job. At this point, though, I've decided I'm not going to steal or anything, so I started embezzling um, from different jobs that I'm working at, and it got really horrible, uh, really uh, quicker than it ever had before. Like, every time I thought I hit a rock bottom, I had not hit it. But this is where we're kind of coming to the, the end. This is where I hit the final rock bottom before I give my life to Christ. And am desperate for another way of living. You know, I relapsed, and uh, he becomes really abusive. Uh, there's a domestic violence issue, causes separation. I go to a domestic violence shelter, get a protection order and everything. And then, uh, while well, I'm talking to the judge, and he's signing the protection order, he says, you know, we'll send you to go get you and your son and your stuff right now. And I was like, hold that thought. I will meet y'all at the house, your deputies and everything. Well, I go and I get high. And I call them and I'm like, let me get my own place so I don't bring them back to the shelter. Well, so that's my plan. Um, about a it month goes... great in your head. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> about a month goes by and I am sitting in the apartment. Uh, I'm renting a room from a friend and I'm sitting in my room, you know, still just... Re- uh, You know, racking up charges, right? Just still embezzling, still, and um, still stealing and using. And I'm sitting there one day and I start rehearsing every bad thing that has ever happened to me. And um, I start thinking, how do people get out of this? Like I know that there's redemption stories. And then I start thinking, well, how did everyone that I know get out of this? And I start thinking of every kid that I was raised with. And every single one of them has committed suicide. And I think, and then a light bulb goes (laughs) off and I'm like, that's it. That's it. And I was like, I know what to do. I know where to go in Jackson who will help me overdose if I pay him enough. Like, you know, we'll just do like two in each arm. I got this, you know, like this is it. And I'm like (laughs) pumped at this time. I'm like, I'm going to finally get out of this, y'all. Like, you know, I'm going to... Finally, like I have found the answer, no more pain, right? Uh, eternal numbness is what I was going for. And I get in the car and I'm headed to Jackson and I'm driving through Flowood. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna say this, you know, in case this God that my ex-husband knew or this God creator, maybe there's some almighty spirit out there. I said, I just want you to know that I am sorry. And I said, um, but I, at this point, I think you should admit, because I can look back and see different times where it's only been you that's brought me back to life. It's only been you that sent me to prison instead of the morgue. It's only, you know, that if there is this guy, this God, then you are the reason that I've made it this far because you haven't given up on me. But I think you should know I, and I remember calling myself unsalvageable, is that I said, I am unsalvageable. Man. I, um... I had just, I, um, I pull over in Flowood, just make sure I had enough money for what I was going to go do or whatever. Next thing I know, my car, and this was seconds after, after saying this to him, my car is surrounded by police officers, just a complete circle around me. I can't even see anything. There's bright lights. Those warrants from everything have all of a sudden been called in and they are out looking for me and they find me. My car is surrounded. I'm taken into custody. My first day in jail, I get, I mean, my first few days in jail, I'm getting called in and out by different detectives, different counties, the state of Mississippi, Um, just everyone just, you know, trying to find out. And some of their biggest questions was, were you doing this alone? Like, what is going on? Detectives from uh, Fluid. His name was uh, Detective Tyler Brunell. It, well, actually, his first it was Detective Sean McKnight from the state of Mississippi. And he's talking to me, and he's like, "You know, I'm looking through some of your stuff, and I see some possession charges of fentanyl." And he's looking at my arms, and I still have, you know, real fresh like scabs and everything just from shooting. And he was like, "Do you need some help?" And I said, "Do I need you?" I'm You can't help me at this point. I appreciate it, but I get it. I'm going to prison forever. And I was like, God had me arrested because he didn't want me to kill myself because he wants me to pay for everything I've done. That's what's happening right now. And he's like, well, I just, I just, we just want to help you. And I was like, look, I've already told you everything you want to know. So I don't know if this is some kind of like tactic where you think I'm going to tell you more if you say you're going to help me, but just, I've already told you everything. He said, all right, well, I'm going to reach out to the other detectives and just tell them that we're willing to help if they are. I was like, okay. Well, I leave. Um, Detectives from somewhere else call me out. And Detective Tyler Bernal calls me and says, um, and I'm giving him all the information that I have too. And he said, "Um, can we help you in any way? Like, do you think we could take this opportunity to just provide you with help? And I was like, let me guess. The other detective (laughs) called you. He goes, I do have some missed calls from another detective. That might be what it's about. But I just want to personally help you. So these people on their own are offering to help me. And I said, why do you want to help? And he said, well, you know, I've been working for Rankin County for over 30 years, and I just want to start doing something good for someone. I helped a guy go to rehab last month. He'd be the first girl I helped. I just don't want you to th- underestimate the help that's out there for people in addiction. And I thought,
3: okay. <laughs>
0: so first i leave, all, and I'm I like, I am not an addict. <laughs> Did you go back to your state? No, no.
4: At this point, y'all, I knew that I, I was 100%. You know, I definitely owned it at this point. And, you know, like I said, I was hoping that at this point that that's what was going to take me out, you know? Yeah. The next day I get called out again, and this time it's by Brandy and Aubrey Pridgeon. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they call me out and they said, we heard about your case. We got a call from the sheriff, actually. I said, was it Detective Tyler Burnell? He's, they said, no, no, the sheriff's office called us. And I said, so it wasn't these detectives or these detectives? They're all... And they said, no, Why? And I said, well, they're just all offering to help. They're like, that's why we're here. We're wondering if we can help you. And I was like, what wow. in the world? Like,
0: Shout out to All Things New Ministry. Amen. And Brandon, Mississippi, doing wonderful things. We're very fortunate to to be able to be a part of that group and what they're doing and to partner with them. So anyway, shout out to them. So yes. Can, shout continue out to All Things New. <laughs> continue on with. <laughs> you know, that, that's just. I, I know. Always wear oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey. I guess- man. Al- Aubrey and, and his. Group is doing fantastic man. things in Rankin county and just central Mississippi. Yes, so yes, that's amazing are. how that they came in. That. That's mad. Nice. I mean, I'm this had to be pretty recent
1: for it to be Brandy. Aubrey and Brandy. Yeah. Yeah. well,
4: they weren't married at the time. Well, I know that, but, but yeah. I'm
1: just saying, like,
0: yes, not not Debbie. Right, right. Yeah, uh-huh.
4: this was um, so that night in Flowood where I'd called myself unsalvageable. unsalvageable uh, that was actually September 18th of last year. So, September Man, 18th, wow. next week, I'll have a year clean. Man. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Man.
0: <laughs> so, so, they're like, hey, that, that's why we're here, that we want to offer really, But you. we
4: got a call from the sheriff's office. Yeah. And so, these people, and the reason they got a call from me at the sheriff's office is because there was a lady in the sheriff's office who, on one of the days where I got called out by the detectives, was walking through, the, was working in the sheriff's office, Victoria Sebring. She saw me, and it was laid on her heart to reach out to all things new for me. So now I've got the sheriff's office on their own accord wanting to help me. The detectives from different cases on their own accord wanting to help me. And now God's about to bring them all together and let them all know that they're all on the same page, and it's just going to get really incredible from here.
3: Unsalvageable. This is (laughs) try me, right? He was like, "You just pushed the try me button. I'm all in."
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is literally days after she sat in her car and just said, "Was like, I'm done with this." Like, uh, Mister Imaginary Guy that might be in the sky. Maybe yeah. you're there, maybe you're not, but I want you to know that if you are there, um, I know it was you. But I'm unsalvageable, unsolv- so you can press stop, leave me alone. Right, I'm gonna take care of this. And like Drew just said, God said that was a try. I got, got it. Written okay great let me, let me show you what i do okay you've now acknowledged my existence
2: right right let
1: me show you what i'm going right. to do Demon. i'm not sending you one person i'm not sending you two people i'm telling you everybody that you're about to come in contact yeah. with is going to say hey can i help you yeah not hey you're a criminal right. you did this you're going to jail. Right. You deserve to be where you're going. No. God said, I'm going to send people into your life that said, that's can love I you. help you? Can I love help, help you? They're going to love now. That's what I love about Rankin County.
0: Goosebumps. Yeah.
1: Is, is, and I don't even know that's where you went, but I'm just yes. saying, like, the all things Trailblaze. new. And we've played plenty of uh, uh, worship nights for Rankin County Jail. That That's what I love about this area is the fact that we're not going to judge you. We just want you to know that we love you. Right and how can we help you? And that's a God thing, man. God sent everybody and their mama to come. Right. For I mean. yes,
4: yes.
1: I am curious. Well, God knows you're stubborn. Like,
2: I mean, God
1: said,
3: "Look, we've already been down this road. She screamed, she wasn't an addict for nine months while
0: being incarcerated. We ain't, We're not all playing, playing all this time. <laughs> so, so, I am curious. Had you ever had? an encounter or an experience with God prior to that moment in your car before getting arrested? Like, did you know... Have you ever had, had you ever heard about God or, or anything like well, that? Well, remember, sure. her, her I mean,
1: ex-husband was a Christian. Yeah. But had you had an encounter? Obviously, you yeah, heard. Yes, yes. But had, but had you felt? Had you seen? Had you...
4: Not like that Have this. you even
3: had a conversation with God at that point before then? I
4: think I thought I was. You know, like at the time... Um, you know, I was, I was doing everything that his family was doing, right? you know, but I, because I hadn't been raised in it. I mean, the first church I ever went to was with him when I was 25. First time I ever heard the gospel, I was 25. Like, I mean, I didn't, I was like, all right, this guy died for me. Like, okay, that's really cool. You know, I don't really know exactly what that means. Like, um, but maybe he died for you as long as you're a good person, you know? So I didn't really have a lot of knowledge or the the intimate relationship with him you know at 25 when i first heard about him now so that's
3: god, what's different but, so, so god was I planting seeds the to whole say. time yes. dude because everybody else that yes. we've ever had a conversation with in the podcast they've always had some kind of religious background yep. you know they yeah. grew yeah, up was in church board, was, was yeah. born
1: and raised
3: yes. yeah i yeah. mean well, religion but then you hear, and then
0: you hear this story.
3: Like I didn't know the gospel until I was twenty five.
4: Yeah, so wow. which a lot of people are like, how is that possible? It's absolutely possible. It is.
0: Yes, I mean I it mean, is. Yeah, for
4: it was uh, it for I this area
0: here. No, you don't hear <laughs> as much. But in what part well, of Austin, Texas te- were you
1: in? Austin. Austin? Mm-hmm. There's not a church on every corner I mean, in
0: Austin. Austin's mm-hmm. slogan is "Keep it weird." <laughs> it's, it is. I mean, but. I mean, that's just... They have that on a t-shirt.
4: But I remember asking about God when I was, um, you know, a teenager because, you know, I'd hear, like, other kids start talking about it, and the little school that I went to right outside of Austin was a Catholic community, and I remember seeing people do the Lord's Prayer at school, and I didn't know what that was, but I remember going home and asking the adults there who God was or what the Bible was, and I just remember the the guy, he was, I'll never forget it, he was eating a bowl of cereal, and he looks over at me, and I just remember him rolling his eyes saying, it is a book of contradictions, it will destroy your life, don't ever read it, and I remember thinking, okay. Oh, what a first
2: impression. And
4: so I just, you know, which I'm not blaming him, I'm just saying that I instantly was like, Okay, so it's a hobby that really only weird people have. I gotcha. And so that it stayed. Which so, if I ever. Th- so, at this point, back to Brandy and Aubrey, they're talking to me, right? And so, this is on the third day, and the third group of people are I'm coming sorry, in.
1: Did you say the third day? The third day in jail. And third group of people? Yes, it was. Man, I. So palmer
0: palmer Dude, three, <laughs> three. one more it's always three
1: right it's always Comes in threes. threes
3: so who
0: was was john that was talking about that third yep. day resurrection
1: yep it's always three man even my pastor <laughs> this past weekend was talking about how um in the story that he was he was telling it was uh it was three it's always god loves the number three Yeah, yep. always i'm sorry no, well, you're I mean, fine. it just
3: it represents Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. You That's know? what I'm saying. But it, Father, it, Son, Holy Spirit.
0: But for and it's, for some play, people, you know, like okay, you you've been in church all your life, so you, of course your story is going to reflect three. Yeah. of course. But here's it. Amber's story, who she hasn't had. And
1: right, uh, the guy eating the bowl of cereal told her it was contradiction and weird people.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, like and she. Th- th- Three didn't mean nothing yes. to her at the time. No, right?
4: no at not at the time. It's not,
1: it, it might not have been until she sat down and thought about her full story that she saw the number three. But for us, when we see it, it's like, oh, did you say it was three, <laughs> three groups of people? <laughs> did
2: you say it was the third day of it? Because well, right.
0: we, we, we see it show up so many in these stories. Right. And yeah. And we hear it so often. So yeah, you know, we, we pick up on it. But...
1: All right, so on your resurrection day, the third <laughs> Right. Wow. Well, so
4: um, <laughs> they they come in, and they talk to me, and they ask me, well, in that moment when she said, Amber, we just want to help you, and Brother Aubrey looks over the table, he goes, you know, we." he's like, I believe, he's like, because the sheriff's office contacted us, we believe that there's maybe people, I don't know any of these detectives you've talked to or anyone else that's trying to help you, but we believe that the sheriff's office is willing to help you, that we can get you some help and I just remember, he's like, is that something you want? And something inside me. And I know that it was just, you know, it was that stubbornness. It was that old man, just, you know, God was just starting to break my heart for the moment when, um, his invitation came. And so, which wasn't at that moment, but that's when my heart began to really break. Mm -hmm. And, um, I looked over at Brandy and I just started crying and I hadn't, you know, um been crying or anything but i just started crying she said what do you what's wrong what's wrong and i said i just can't believe this is happening to me i can't believe it why would he i said you know if this is god like why would he send me any help like i just can't believe it i I cannot believe this is happening can't wrap my mind she goes well believe it because we're here (laughs) and she's like i'm here i'm real (laughs) it's really happening And um, they said, we're going to make some phone calls. Do you need anything? And at the time, like, I'm detoxing so bad. They bring me clothes, a Bible, just all sorts of stuff. They come and check on me. About a week later, I'm back in regular, um, you know, general population. I'm not in medical anymore. And um, she comes in and she puts on a song, Rescue by Lauren Daigle. Mm. And I'd never heard it. But the words start playing and... Lauren Daigle said, um, "You know, in the middle of your darkest night, in the middle of your hardest fight, I will send out an army to rescue you. And I close my eyes, and in that moment, I see my car surrounded by all those police officers. Oh. And God starts to... And I hear God's voice in my heart for the first time, like ever. And it was the most beautiful thing. My whole body felt peace. Every fiber in my body recognized that its creator was speaking to it. And he said... Amber, that was me rescuing you, not to punish you and send you to jail, but just because I love you. Even if you don't do anything else with this, that was just me saying I love you. And I fell on my knees and I couldn't do anything, but just, I instantly fell in love with Jesus. In that moment, I fell head over heels in love with him. And um, she was talking about salvation and asking him in your heart. And I had heard, you know, before, like, you know, the if you, you know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And I said, I don't really know how to do this. And I don't really want anyone else to lead me through it. I said, but I know that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are my Lord. And so I said, I'm asking you to be my savior. My, Please take over my life. Please be my best friend. I don't ever want to be anywhere else but with you. I mean, I just fell in love with him in that moment and believed everything that he had to say after that. And um, a week later, I was baptized by Brandy <laughs> and Kosha. I don't know if y'all... Yes. yes. Brandy and Kosha baptized me a week later. And the week after that...
0: And that was at the jail. That was at the jail. Yes. I, I want to make everybody out there listening... This was all at the jail. Rankin County does baptisms at the jail. Yes. And it's I, yes. I have not been to it in person, but I see Aubrey making all his posts about those baptisms. And it's, it's yes. awesome. So anyway...
4: and um then a week later they cut brandy and aubrey well the detectives are still pulling me out telling me that they're now all in communication and and with the sheriff's office and everyone's on board with helping me and i'm like okay like yeah are you kidding like i think that i think i might actually have a shot at life like you know so i'm starting to get hope right and i'm like I could, I might be able to really do this thing. Like yeah. I could live like a normal person. I could, yeah. I can be a Christian. Like, I mean, I can follow Christ. I can. And then I, when I found out like that the word is, you know, my rule book for, I was like, I can do this. Like I can do this now. I can live <laughs> and really live and I can be a real mom and I can be a real adult and a real member of society and I can have dreams and I can have a job. And I was like, I can be, I can go to a church and I can tell other people about how great God is. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to have the best life ever. It was like being, <laughs> oh you goodness. know, it's like being born again all over, you know. And
0: So, was that the first time that you had ever truly experienced hope? Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. Just
0: hearing you talk, I could, I could, you can hear it. Yes. You like, can feel it. You, you could, it. you can sense that there's like this recognition of, man, I have hope.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hope is powerful, man. It Hope is. is.
4: Mark Twain says, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Yeah. And um, one of the day I found out why to have a relationship with God, it was the most beautiful day I have in memory.
0: I, I just wound up teaching the lesson at my celebrate recovery on Hope this past Monday night. I had to do some studying on it, and I found out there was a story about a research on rats back in the 50s and they put these rats in these glass jars full of water and wanted to see how long these rats could swim. Mm-hmm. And the rats, 15 minutes tops, and they were they were dying. They were drowning, and they were dying. So they pulled them out, put in a new batch of rats. Well, at that 15-minute mark, the rats were about to drown. They pulled all the rats out, dried them off, set them to the side, let them rest for a minute, and then put them back in. Now, those rats had just swam to failure for 15 minutes. How long do you think those rats swam the second go-around? Five minutes, 10 minutes, another 15? Yeah. Those rats swam for 60 hours. 60 hours because they were under the impression that somebody would come rescue them. Oh, wow. So they didn't give up. So they didn't give up. Psychologists have cited that experiment as the basis for hope. and oh,
4: wow. they They said
0: that that experiment... Proves that hope is the most powerful thing in the universe. Amen. And to hear, like, I mean, you can hear that when you're talking right there at the end when you were talking about you were fine. Oh, I can do all this. That's hope. Yep. Hope. That's one hundred and one. That's basic. Like that. That's what it is. That's that's one person recognizing, man, I do not have to continue down this road right. that I've been on. That I can. I can change and that there is a different life for me. Yeah. Man. So, how, how did you get plugged into Strong Towers? Because I want to give a plug to Strong yes. Towers. So, let, let's so, talk about the church, the, the ark.
4: Yeah. So, I um, I was baptized. A week later, you know, everyone's on the same page. They send me to the Peace House, uh, a ministry out of Embrace. And um, the ark is also, it was involved with... Um, you know, some of our teachers came from the Ark, yep. and we'd have different stuff going and, different functions at the Ark. While and it's at the Embrace Peace
0: House. is doing a lot of good stuff too. They they send a lot of people for, to rehab and over there in Forest. Mm-hmm.
4: And all things new had sponsored me to yep. Peace House, and Embrace was my um, church family while I was at the Peace House. Yep.
0: Good stuff, good yeah. stuff. So so the Ark was sending teachers over there to Embrace. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's just how you got connected with...
4: Yes, um, that's right. So I found out about Strong Towers uh, about a month after I... Well, probably about two weeks after I graduated, um, a, a teacher that was there, um, she and her husband moved me into their home. I'm still going through custody battle, and I needed a place to live outside of sober living or something like yeah. that. And they said, well, you've got a home with us, you know, a solid I like address. And um, shout out to Gwen and Sean Hoffman, <laughs> awesome. amazing people. Awesome. Um, goes back to like what Palmer was saying. I hope at some point in the story we find out you found a family. Just want you know that these people do call me daughter now. I've been Man. with them for six months. They raised two boys, and they used to. They said to me, not the you know the other day. I said, did you ever when you were raising your boys, you know? Because I was dealing with different stuff girl stuff i said and i looked at sean and gwyneth did y'all ever tell god um thank you so much at least we don't have a daughter to have to go through all that stuff and they said oh yeah we thanked him many times i said and now and they said and now we thank him that we do so <laughs> they said it's we're, we're you're the best daughter we could have ever asked for Man, and yeah, that's so they didn't
1: go through the
2: teenage I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm,
4: if it happened as a teenager i'm sure that i've put them through it in the last six months <laughs> and they're probably nodding their heads um. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> as a girl dad with two teenage daughters, I'm I'm telling you they. Well, I mean they the thing
3: that I've learned about like even in addiction, like when we start to become sober, we still have some childish traits because of like when we yeah, started I still had using- voids
4: I didn't even know that I needed filled. Yeah, that's right. That God's filled with this church family at the Ark, and um, so I you know I just got in- plugged in with church at the Ark and and Lauren and Pastor Jay and. The Hoffmans, they have all just started, you know, they've really embraced my willingness to want to be a part of things, and it really helped me get plugged in. Um, So Strong Towers, you know, we've got meetings on Wednesday nights at 6 and 9 on Sunday mornings.
0: And Strong Towers is in Philadelphia, Mississippi, in Neshoba County for all of our... Local listeners.
4: And they are drug court approved. Yep.
0: Meetings. And then Strong Towers is also plugged into Celebrate Recovery at uh, Neshoba Badist Center in Philadelphia as well. Shout out to Jeff and Tammy running that ministry That's right.
4: Good people. Which is
0: an offshoot of North Park Celebrate Recovery yep. here in Meridian. And Strong all- Towers
4: is also helping me with the uh, custody court. You know, they go in awesome. as uh, advocates.
0: Oh,
2: awesome. nice.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, man. they'll help you. I've seen them help people with anything, any kind of legal trouble, financial trouble. Awesome. If you're trying to help yourself, Pastor Jay in the Ark, Strong Towers, if you're helping yourself, they want to help. And they're so spirit-led, too. Like, they have discernment, and they there's no legalism or religiosity with their help.
0: Man, that's awesome. Just people want to help people. That's right. That's where it's at. Well,
4: and I'll have a year clean next week, and that's man. that's pretty much it.
0: Boom. And this episode drops next, next week. week. Okay. <laughs> so So she'll be a year So this week all, all of our yeah. all of our listeners weirdest. out there listening, she's a, a year clean. So yeah, how about traumatic. that? How about that? I think that's when the episode drops, is it not? Yeah. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: This episode this episode will be finding all of our listeners on Amber's one year sober oh, Amber's. Oh, My awesome. goodness. How about that? Another How God works.
4: <laughs> God is so good, and you know we've been tr- we've had so many schedule conflicts yes. that this is the first time it's worked out. Yes. It's worked out where it's going to drop yes. on my Saturday. That's, that's
0: really cool. This, this episode has been put off <laughs> and rescheduled several times. My goodness, that's my bad. No,
4: it worked out perfect.
0: Yes, it worked out perfect. So, <laughs> hey, congratulations, Palmer! You, you did something great. Yes. You know, <laughs> this this here is probably one of our our longer episodes that we're going to be putting out and.
3: But for good reason. But i to say there I, was I, so much together. It was a lot. I, yeah, I, I but no, it was. It was. It's was fine. It was I, perfect. I couldn't
0: think of uh, another episode that I would want to go this long because so much. I mean, there was so much unpacked into this, and like I hardly stay silent during episodes, and so for me to be over here just like, <laughs> well, and <laughs> I was like, hold on a second, what? Amen. Hey, <laughs> well, and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, I. I've sat through several of these episodes and I've never shed a tear true during recording and I was over here bawling my eyes out. So uh, that- Yeah, I thought
1: we I thought we chose the wrong place to put the ad break because, you know, she gets to the point where she tells us all about her hope and she's finally found hope and all of us are going I remember <laughs>
2: right, hey, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna take a break. <laughs> uh, we gotta wipe our eyes, we'll be back. It's like Doctor <laughs> Phil over here. Yeah, right? I know. Like,
0: <laughs> so I mean, I, you know, yes, I, I hope our listeners uh, don't mind the the extra length on this episode. I, I feel like it was not wasted at all. No. Nah. Uh, man, what a what a powerful story that you've got, Amber. What a a leading example of hope what a a lighthouse that you are to others that are in the darkness of addiction you know you you are truly a lighthouse and i
1: remember she's doing so much with with strong towers and her church and all that that just proves that look she's turning a year sober yeah when this episode drops the things that you can accomplish once you finally get god god in your life can be done in such a short short time so never think that you're not sober enough right. to be used by God. Yeah. Now, yes, as we talked about dating and stuff like that, cool. when you when you're first getting <laughs> when you're first getting sober, uh, there take are some things that, that we do need to to take our time with. But once we get our feet fully set and God is ready to use us and he'll let you know when he's ready when when it's time to go. That's right. Don't don't think that you can't be used just because you're a year sober or you're only yeah. coming up on on that one year
0: or or, or, or a week, right?
1: It's well, all in, it's
0: all in God's time. That's right.
1: Because yeah. I I know you said a week and then you kind of kind of wanted to backtrack, but that's not that's it, true. That's God. If yes. God says you and you'll know it if it's God or it's flesh. Yeah. yeah, you know there you'll be able to tell the difference. And once God says okay, I got you. It's time for you to go do my work it doesn't matter how long you've been sober that's right
0: I, I want to thank you for for coming on and to being so open and vulnerable sharing your story because that I, I want to express our gratitude and I want to give you just a few minutes of an open mic somebody that is out there listening that was in the position that you were in what would be something that you would say to that person
4: I would tell them um, I would tell them just just try talking to him. Just whoever him is to you, whatever image, maybe the image that you have of God is someone glaring at you, shaking their finger, whatever it is, just get that out of your head for just one second. I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, if you're, if you're where I was, then you don't have a light at the end of your tunnel. You don't have anything to lose. You're, only sense of hope is to end life just i just encourage you just for a second just humor me humor the idea that you have a creator that loves you and try reaching out and just invite him in for a second to your life
0: that's that's what i would say awesome Amen. awesome awesome All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Thank you for for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you have found it helpful. I hope you have found it as encouraging as the three of us have because uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'm looking at Palmer, I'm looking at Drew, and they are very encouraged, uh, especially Palmer right now. And if you're listening and still in the darkness of addiction, we hope that today's testimony will be a lighthouse guiding you out of that pit and into the hope of sobriety and recovery
3: for more recovery content visit our brand new website UnashamedRecovery.com, as well as our new sobriety and recovery themed blogs to take you deeper into your, your sobriety and recovery journey and that's where you'll also find links to our social media there you can even donate to the show help us reach more people still lost in the,
1: the darkness of addiction also check out more amazing recovery podcasts over at take 12 recovery radio recovery podcast network the link is in the show notes as well as under our partners page on the new website that's all for this episode remember to stay sober and above all else to keep on twelfth stepping as you stay I'm
2: unashamed
1: we love you